Hi there. Thank you for connecting with me and subscribing to the Living the Sky Life podcast. I'm a very tired and oftentimes overwhelmed autism warrior mom who has navigated the ups and downs of this puzzling disorder for 16 years and counting. My hope when creating this podcast was that it would serve as a vessel for connecting families with special needs children so we may share experiences and resources. But even more importantly, I want to create a community of support for one another through the tough times, which we know there can be many, and to celebrate the achievement of milestones, big and small, of our amazing kids. So thanks again for joining me on this journey and for tuning in for this episode of Living the Sky Life. Today's guest on the podcast is a new friend of mine, Kelly. Some of you may know her from her Instagram account, Growing Up Steven. I have followed Kelly for quite some time, and she's so inspirational. Her son, Steven, um, is on the spectrum, and he is her oldest child and was diagnosed with autism at the age of two, and he is now 29 years old. So as someone who has paved the way and is uh, at least... 10 to 12 years ahead of me um, on the autism journey. I always welcome all of her posts, all of her videos, all of her information about Stephen and just how remarkable of a of a boy, man, I should say, he is. Um, and with all of her mothering and all of the wonderful things that she has done and supported him all of the years, um, she is to be commended. So I'm so excited to have her on the podcast today. So enjoy my conversation with Kelly. Today on the podcast, I have the distinct pleasure of um, speaking with my new friend, Kelly. Um, she has an Instagram page that many of you probably follow called Growing Up Steven. And she documents a lot of her um, journey with Steven, her 29-year-old son on the spectrum. Um, she is definitely someone who inspires me as Skylar is aging and getting into the adult years. I follow every single thing that she posts and <laughs> every move that she makes. Um, it's, just, it's definitely inspirational to me. So um, please welcome Kelly. So welcome to the podcast, Kelly. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you asking me and being patient as we've had to maybe take a while to schedule this. <laughs> okay, life happens. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. But I appreciate you having me on with you today. Sure. Um, I always like to start with just a little bit of background um, with the diagnosis story and just kind okay. of how you along the lines learned that Stephen might have some delays in development. Um, and, and how autism came to be a part of your family's life. Sure. Um, well, when Stephen was about, um, well, actually from birth, he was beating to his own drum, so to speak. He, he cried a lot. He, um, and when I say a lot, I mean an enormous amount. And, you know, I would take him as an infant, I would take him to the doctor. I felt like something was wrong because um, he was crying like, he was in pain all the time. And, you know, the doctors uh, and specifically would say to me, he, uh, I don't think it's him. I think it's you, you know, they would, they, they would tell me it was, it was me. So um, I kind of just kept on going. And then when he was about two, he um, started doing things like clapping his hands all day, um, picking up objects and hitting them on his hand almost like to get some kind of a 
feeling out of it and I wasn't too sure. But so I kind of thought it was a little odd that he was doing those things, but I kept saying to myself, oh, you know, it's just, he's just playing. That's the way he plays. Um, and then one day I was watching a show on TV and they were talking about autism and he was very young. And this mom, they were talking about this very rare thing called autism. And this mom said that her son had a habit of hugging backwards. He would turn his back to you and hug, hug you that way. Huh. And Stephen always did this. And I've never right, heard that. Neither did I. But right when she said that in my gut, I knew that that is what was going on with him. I knew it. And so I talked to my husband about it and I said, this is what I think. And, you know, thank goodness, instead of saying, cause we were both concerned about his, you know, clapping all the time and things that he did. Um, so I, when I talked to him about it, he said, um, I don't know what the heck even is it? And I was like, I don't know. So he went to the library and got books out and, um, he brought him home and we looked at it and we're like, we think we should go see a doctor about this. But, you know, the couple of doctors we saw were, had no clue about autism. And, and then finally, um, we saw one that said, I think something's going on with him and there's something called autism you might want to look into. So, um, long story short, we took him to a center in North Carolina who was one of the few centers in the country called Teach, and they evaluated kids with autism. They had a whole staff, a whole panel, and um, at the end of a three-day test, which just one thing after the other, they diagnosed him with autism. And actually, at that time, they had scales, and the scale went from zero to ten, and they said he was definitely the nine to 10 range because, you know, he didn't talk. He didn't acknowledge you. He just basically clapped his hands all day. And so um, that it was our first. And so, you know, and when he was diagnosed with it, I had, I had a five month old. So immediately I thought, oh my goodness, you know, he's got it too. I know he's got it too. Um, so that's, my focused almost, I couldn't worry so much about, I've just had a son diagnosed with autism. My, I shifted to, now I'm going to have two kids with autism because they were saying that, you know, it can run in families and I have a higher risk of my second child having it. Um, so, um, but anyway, that was our diagnosis time. And I think that I, what helped me with the diagnosis is I already knew that is what he had. So when he had his official diagnosis, I, I really think I had already come to terms with it, that this is, you know, he was still Stephen and <laughs> um, he just had a diagnosis of something. And, and now he was going to get help. He was going to get the therapy he needed, the services he needed. And um, I was going to make sure that that was the next step, that he got everything that he needed. Um, and I, let me plug in right there that my son, Patrick, who was my second child, he does not have autism. He is actually 27. He's a software engineer. And for those parents who worry about having another child or have a second child and are worried, 
because they're babies that they could have autism, I wasted a lot of precious time with Patrick worrying mm-hmm. about if he had autism or not. And I, I can't get that time back. And I worried for, for absolutely nothing because the truth is if he did have autism, I would have dealt with it. And so did you so watch his every milestone monitor him? Like I a watched every single move he made. I'm guilty and, of the same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good to know. That's good to know. I'm not yeah, the only with one. My daughter, yeah. she's yeah. two years different too from Skylar, two years younger. And I did the exact same thing. I panicked through my entire pregnancy. And mm-hmm. even during the delivery, they had to put oxygen on me because I just kept thinking, I can't, I can't do this again. I can't start over right. another child that needs so much help and attention. Right. It's scary. Mm -hmm. It's very scary. But you know, I mean, being petrified about it and worried about it is not going to change anything. So enjoy your time with your baby or your, your toddler and, um, you know, just take it one day at a time. Yep. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Well, so uh, did you do a lot of therapies. Um, I know you've mentioned several times on Instagram that he's, you know, hit some of his major milestones over the years. He, he now has verbalization and he communicates. Um, how long did that process take? Well, he did, he was nonverbal and, um, he started early intervention at three and I was looking into different things and everything again, this was not very prevalent, so I had to dig for everything to learn about everything. And ABA therapy um, was just starting to get where people had heard about it. So I looked it up and I studied it, but I knew no one that did it. So I basically taught myself and I did it with him every single day. And just he and I, and I took him into the bathroom to do it because then the takeaway is take them to a small space, small area. So I took them to the bathroom every day and we did that. And it was miserable for at least six months. He did not like any part of it, but I was just determined that um, he was going to learn some things from it and start enjoying it. And Mm -hmm. so I tried to do fun things. You know, I started incorporating fun things and that's when he started to enjoy things more and more. Um, So, but besides that, I had him in speech therapy, occupational therapy, and um, a lot of it. And then at three, he started in an early intervention program. And at that time, you know, he's still nonverbal. And then he became around four years old and he was still nonverbal. And I remember distinctly, I remember the conversation, a speech therapist came to me and she was very old school for lack of a better word, but she was fantastic. And she said Mm -hmm. to me, I think Stephen might have apraxia. And I thought, what the heck is apraxia? (laughs) Add another thing. (laughs) Yeah. And I was so defensive and so mad at her because I'm thinking, is she out of her mind? I am trying to deal with autism and she's throwing apraxia at me and that he does not have that. That is crazy. So I said, and she said, you know, I just want you to know that um, I love Stephen and I would never 
say that I think this is what he has if he didn't have it. And it really hurts my feelings that you would think that I would ever do anything but try to help him. And so when she had that personal moment with me, I said, I think I better take this seriously. So she recommended him for the testing and he had all the testing and he definitely had apraxia. And the thing that's so important about that and why I think every child with autism should be tested for apraxia is because the speech therapy changes. They do more oral motor exercises. I mean, they're, they're specific vibrating um, mechanisms that they can do or buy or, or parents can buy that you can do at home with them. You know, it just changes. And it's so important to stimulate those oral motor muscles for when the child has apraxia. So it's very important that I think every child with autism get tested for apraxia. And what is exactly is apraxia? You, I so, mean, can you describe it? Yeah, apraxia. So not medically, I'm not going to, because it's just sure. so complicated <laughs> when they, when they try to tell you medically, but basically your brain has trouble processing from your brain to the muscles in your, that, that your speech center has trouble getting to uh -huh. the muscles that create speech. So basically it's process, how you're processing speech. And so there's difficulty with them processing and getting it out. What they want to say as opposed to saying it and actually making their mouth, make the words. Exactly, the yeah. mm -hmm. exactly. Which is why I always tell parents, don't act like they don't know what is going on. A lot of Absolutely. parents will say, mm -hmm. a lot of parents will say to me, he's not understanding, he's not getting it. He, he or she is, I assure you, they are getting it. There was so much I thought Stephen did not know. And as he got older and older, I realized he knew it all. And mm -hmm. so once they started doing the different therapies with him, he started to make sounds, which is the first encouraging thing um, that we saw. And then we used a lot of visual uh, cues for him. Like I would make flashcards and mm -hmm. get him to try to make the sound of the flashcard. And then the sounds turned into words and then the words turned into sentences. But let me tell you, it took years for that yeah. to happen. Nothing will be overnight. So when your child is four and not talking and you're working on it and they're five and making sounds, they're trying and mm -hmm. there is great hope that they're going to, you know, still talk. And my thing is, I don't care if your child's 21 years old, there is still hope that they can talk. And there's, because they never stop making progress ever. That is true. Did, did Stevens, um, like the hitting of his hands and all those things, did that mm -hmm. gradually decrease the more he was able to verbally, you know, express himself with sounds and things like that? It definitely increased. It definitely increased. If you see my Instagram page, you'll see that a lot of times you'll see him doing something and clapping his hands. So that's still, it's just always been his go-to. So it's still okay. some. However, we have taught him how to um, kind of deal with those things. Like uh, I feel like, you know, and a lot of parents do that self-stimming, it's like an itch that you have to scratch right. and being uh -huh. told I can't scratch. It's going to make it way worse. Yep. So I um, say, you know, if you feel like you want 
to control that, Steve, and put your hands in your pocket. Um, and sometimes I'll he'll have a fidget toy in his pocket. And so he just kind of, you know, because it's, it's, and for lack of a better word, it's more socially appropriate for sure. him to have his hands in his pockets with a fidget toy than clapping his hands. Mm -hmm. And the reason that's important to me as an adult for Steven is because, um, you know, people judge uh -huh. and we're trying to find a job for Steven. We're trying to, um, give off an impression that he's capable and when you don't know about autism you don't you do judge a book by your by its cover you do and so i want him to give off the impression that you know he is who he is. Just because he claps his hands in an adult or as an adult or anything does not mean he's not capable of holding a job down, you know. So I just try to to help him with some more. And he'll ask me now. I give me something else to do besides that, you know. He'll ask me because he knows he wants to, you know, get it a little under control. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just kind of wondered if. Um, you know, Skylar, I, I talk about it too in social media quite a bit and on the podcast about his banging. I mean, he is still nonverbal, almost 17. Yeah. yeah. And doesn't really make many sounds. Um, the, the most sounds that we hear out of him is when he's laughing. He has a real deep, like his voice has obviously changed through puberty, but we never heard it before. We only hear it in the sounds. So it's right. kind of striking to us when he kind of belts out a deep belly laugh and we're like, who is that man? You know, that I know, I know that my is, little boy, but I, I just wondered if he's so frustrated and I just, that's what makes me get through it is thinking to myself that he completely understands. I know he's smart and he understands right. what we're saying, but he can't respond in any way that we understand. So he just keeps banging until we get it right and we guess correctly of what it is that he wants. Right. And I will say when Stephen gets upset about something or agitated about something, you definitely or we definitely see it increase for sure. So I think that's, you know, part of and I mean, I, I don't I never, ever want to come across like I'm trying to change who he is. He I love the way he is. However, I also want him to know the reality that people do judge. And that I want them to see who he is. And if he can control that a little bit, I mean, then that's fantastic. I think that's fantastic. If he can't, he can't. Mm -hmm. But if he can, then I want him to try to. So, I'm, yeah, you know, it's that's only going to help him, like you said. Yes. And yes. so, you know, along those lines, yes. other than the, the hitting of himself or, um, you know, just the stimming, I guess, did he have any behaviors that were really hard to, you know, redirect or that yes. were just really intolerable? He, he had, <laughs> he, he, many. He had, when he was younger, um, and it kind of waxed and waned, you know, how, what is it, even flow, whatever those words are, uh -huh. um, come and go. Um, but he threw tantrums for, you know, countless reasons and some of those tantrums would literally last all day long he would you know bang his head hit his head um he mainly would would try to 
do self-injurious stuff, you know, like, like I said, bang his head. Um, he usually wasn't aggressive towards anyone else. Um, however, having said that, he definitely has, he squeezes, like he squeezes things when he gets, or when he got upset and like he would come after me or come after his dad or something and squeeze us like as hard as he could. And he had uh -huh. such rage when he was doing it. So, um, and then, you know, he learned again, he, we, we tried to teach him how to, um, deal with those. And he definitely had consequences when, when those, um, behaviors, self-injurious behaviors or squeezing us or trying to squeeze someone else or anything like that came up, he would have a consequence. And my, the biggest consequence he had was having something he adored taken away from him. And he knew that if he did it and he could not get control of himself, that whatever, he would have an immediate consequence. And uh, this started when he was young. So it, it, it took a long time, but it started to have an effect on him. And he did not like for anything to be taken away. Generally, it was the computer because he loved being on the computer. Mm -hmm. So the computer would be taken away from him. And it was effective. They have to have some type of consequence. Um, you know, I'm not a spanker. I'm not judging people that spank, but I don't, I feel like spanking does not work. Yeah, they don't when they have autism. It. Yeah, I don't, I, it just does not work when they have autism. And so I believe, you know, hit them where they don't like, which is taking something away that they adore and make sure it's something that they adore, you know, um, yeah. where you'll get results from that. And so, but then he started to do better and better. And then, um, uh, puberty came. So that wasn't, you know, <laughs> and that's a whole nother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, and I, and I, I'm sorry, I know we're skipping around, which is probably normal oh, no, for okay. you, but I did want to talk, um, you know, after once he started to, and once he went into school, I did want to talk just a minute about mainstreaming. Yeah, for sure. Mainstreaming is not for every child that has autism. And I think it's important for parents to know that it's just not for everyone. However, if your child has um, the desires and wants to um, do more and seems like they're not being challenged enough in a self-contained classroom, then I always recommend going ahead and trying mainstream, even if it's for 10 minutes at a time, you know, you can get it put in their IEP. Um, you don't want to overwhelm them and do it for large amounts of time, but start at a young age and do it for 10 to 15 minutes at a time, which is what we did with Steven. And he increased his time um, you know, every time we'd have a meeting, we'd increase his time more and more. And then he started to spend the bulk of his day in, in a classroom after about probably a good two years of being mainstreamed. He started to spend the bulk of his time in a classroom because, you know, he, academically he was doing very well. And this was he, what age, like middle school-ish or elementary? Yeah, that it started, started in elementary, late okay. elementary, like fourth grade. He started to be in a classroom. And um, the kids were very accepting. He had uh, modifications, like he had a laptop. He had an assistant to help keep him on task. 
but academically he was doing great. So, yes. So, and you know, I think that you just have to see, is it right for my child? If it is definitely go after that issue. If it isn't, it's okay. But you know, I feel that if there's any way possible, and you know, you can even get in the child's IEP that they are mainstream during PE or -hmm. during music or during anything, but we live in a room, in a world that is inclusive, meaning we do not live, this world is not a self-contained classroom. Our children have got to be with quote unquote, I hate even using the word, typical developing peers, because when they age out of school, that is who they're going to be with. Right. And this world, they need to know, first of all, this world needs to know about them, but they also need to know about this world. And you can't always get that in a self-contained classroom. Right. And so, it's a bubble. Yes, it is. And I feel that, I just feel that Schools in general need to be doing a better job by incorporating special education world and mainstream world together. I just think they need to be doing a better job because I will, if you see an adult or an older, or older teen and they are looking funny at somebody with special needs or acting weird or making fun of them or anything like that, I will guarantee you they had no exposure. Oh, I'm sure when they were growing up. And I just think if you've had exposure, all of the kids that were exposed, you know, um, to being mainstream with Steven, they, they were accepting, they are wonderful. And I'll guarantee you today, if they, they're all adults now, cause Steven's 29. If they have somebody that's comes to their workplace that has special needs, it is not going to be their first rodeo. And they're going to treat that person a lot better having already been, you know, in a situation with somebody with special needs growing up. So I just think it's just so important for our kids to, you know, be mainstreamed if possible. That's such a wonderful perspective. I I mean, I, I could not agree more. And, you know, it wasn't that many months ago that we went to a high school football game with my daughter. I mean, granted, we didn't like stand near her or be near her at all because we would have embarrassed her. Right. But um, we asked her first if it was okay, if we, brought Skylar with us and um, he has a, like a really, really nice running stroller type of a modified stroller that we push him in or sit him in um, so he can sit still. But we were walking with him to the, the state, to the stands or whatever. And there was a kid walking. I mean, he probably was at least seventh grade age um, walking kind of alongside of us just by default. And he looked over and he just gave this really awkward glance to Skylar and to us and just stared at him. And I just kind of waited to see if he'd say anything. And he said, what's wrong with him? Just like yeah. matter of fact to us like that. And I was so taken back. Of course, as a mom, I was like, you know, spitting fire. I was, <laughs> I was very angry. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, you yeah. know, just at just the rudeness of people. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and, and like you, I kind of took a step back later. Of course, I didn't say anything to him. I said, nothing is right. wrong with him. And then I just kind of moved on. Right. Um, but if I've heard, I, I just feel like, yeah, I mean, I just, I'm like, his ignorance is mm-hmm. probably a lack of being exposed to anyone. That's, that's what it is. And so, you cannot guarantee, first of all, let me just say, I've seen that many, many times with 
uh, well, with Stephen, but also with my friends who have children um, with disabilities as well. First of all, kindness starts at in home at the home. The parents have parents in my mind have a responsibility to teach their children kindness and to teach their children that there are all kinds of people in this world and we need to be kind to every single one of them. But that is not always going to happen. So then that is why I feel that it's so important in school to make it more inclusive, mm-hmm. to to have special ed in with mainstream so that we can all, because that's what this world is. How unfair is it that our children are in self-contained classrooms, never associating with anyone outside of our self-contained classroom it's kind of locked until, away. <laughs> until we, yeah, right. Until we age out. I mean, it's just not. And then they're thrown into the world. I mean, anyone would yes. be like a fish out of water in, in a job setting or anything. If you had no experience with people doing things that you've never seen, that's normal to everyone else, but very abnormal to our kids. Yeah. I mean, it's just, there's just, and there's just, well, first of all, there's no excuse for someone acting like that, but you know, I, and I, I try, I, I do judge people. I'm not going to lie, but I try my best not to judge, but I will 90% guarantee that child did not has not come from a home where parents have talked to him about disabilities and oh absolutely kindness I mean, it, and I know how smart our kids are mm-hmm. and um, but on in the same token being smart and knowing what we're talking about in the situations doesn't always translate to understanding social situations mm-hmm. so in my That's mind right. at least I'm glad that in our case I can only speak about us but that Skyler right. doesn't understand when someone is staring right. at him or making fun of him right. or he has no idea. And I love that at least about this disorder is that he doesn't understand the cruelty that can live in this, you know, world. That right. I agree with it. that. And Stephen, you know what? Stephen has a little bit better of an understanding, but he also, I feel is protected in that way. And I think the reason is because they would never in a million years do that to somebody. Right. So why would somebody do that to them? Yeah. And Stephen, I mean, at least from the, all the videos I've seen, obviously he loves to walk, but he's always yeah. smiling. He's always happy. And Skylar, unless, you know, we're having a stomach issue or something major, he's usually always smiling as well. I mean, he's just yeah. happy because yeah. what does he have to be unhappy about? Right. <laughs> I That's do everything right. for him and his life is pretty easy. Yeah. So I know. Generally uh, yeah. happy. Well, I so, definitely so Obviously, Stephen graduated and obviously he was proud. You guys were proud extremely proud. Um, what was it like at his graduation day with his cap and gown and what, what did he exude to you guys? Was he just so proud of himself or do you understand what was happening? It was, well, yeah, it was, I think he was so proud of himself. We were so proud. And I will tell you this, he worked so, so hard years and years of, you know, it, it can't be, it could not have been easy for him doing um, a regular curriculum and and still therapy and still dealing with all his internal anxieties and, um, you know, every, you know, all of it just to get there and for him to receive a regular ed diploma 
was amazing. And this is where I, what we've been talking about as far as the importance of mainstream. So one of the girls that was uh, uh, doing the speaking, uh, she, she was not the valedictorian, but she was elected to do a speech by her peers, um, went, came to me and came to her counselor and asked if she could give five minutes of her speech up to give to Stephen because she felt like he could have something important to say. And so I just was so thankful for her. And um, so Stephen, I didn't tell anyone. And, you know, um, family came and everything. And so he was waiting by the stage. And he went up on stage. She introduced him. She gave her speech. And she said, now, you know, one of our friends wants to say a little something to us. And she introduced him. And he went up there and the, 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 his friends went crazy for him. And he said, you know, congratulations, class, you know, to his class. And he said, you made it and I'm so proud of you and gave everyone a thumbs up. Oh, I could cry. That's the sweetest thing. So, oh. so sweet. And then he walked off stage because that's all he had to say. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> yes, yes. He was finished. And so they just went <laughs> wild for him. So um, it was just a wonderful day. And, you know, he um, got his diploma. And, and you know, it's just, just the, the perseverance is the word I'm looking for in him that got him to that spot and all the help he had along the way. You know, I was so thankful to everyone who had helped him along the way. And so, you know, it, it really was, was amazing. However, it, once you age out of school, as you know, into adulthood, uh, it's a whole nother ball game. A so whole I was going to ask game. you, yeah, next is, um, you know, what has he done since that point? I mean, did he graduate at 20 or did he graduate on time, like at, at 18, 19? No, no, he was older because okay. we thought that little bit of extra time was important. And, you know, and it was, it was, but he was, um, when he left, he, w he was ready to, yeah. to go. But, you know, our, once they age out, the system is just not prepared. They, <laughs> we have, yeah, we have, yeah, we have voc rehab who, oh, there are government, government, would you know much about voc rehab? You know, they're a government run agency. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they have, and not, this is not the case. I'm sure there's some very capable counselors that, you know, they have counselors that have no clue of what they're doing. You have to go and tell them what they're doing. Um, and, so they were like, we have some classes, you know, while we're looking for a job for Stephen, we have some, we did look into some higher education, but Stephen was not really interested in that because he was going to have to do all these prerequisite stuff. So we didn't yeah. want to do any of that. So we were like, okay, let's take some time and let's look for, you know, go to Voke Rehab. So we went to Voke Rehab and these people they just did not know what they were doing. And so they're like, let Stephen, we want Stephen to take some classes. I was like, okay, <laughs> let's take some classes to try to teach him social skills and life skills. You know, and something people, parents, I don't think realize is when you do voc rehab and you participate in those classes, there are not like people 
like you, meaning yeah. Stephen was in there with people recover, recovering alcoholics, right. people with drug addiction, people with um, cerebral palsy, people with, um, you know, it's homeless people, et cetera, et cetera. Uh-huh. So it was a free-for-all is the only word I could come up with. A shit show and, is what I would call yeah, it. Yeah, it was definitely that. But so we went on a break. The, the, and so they're like, you can leave Stephen. And I told the woman, that will never happen. I am not leaving Stephen here by himself. I am going to sit in here with him. And, um, you know, that's just that. You either yeah. take it or leave it. And so she, she let me do that. And so we took a break and we were outside. This guy comes up to Stephen and he was clearly on something. And he said, dude, to Stephen, dude, I need a cigarette. You have a cigarette I could borrow? Oh, God. And Stephen just looked horrified. He probably said, smoking is bad for your health. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm surprised something like that did not come out of his mouth. But long story short, I did not want Stephen to participate in those classes. That was just one example of the things I saw and heard in those classes. And so I'm like, how is this appropriate for, for, for anyone? How's it appropriate for the other people? How is it beneficial to him? Not (laughs) whatsoever. It was a waste of our time. So then we went on, you know, so, but long story short, we are on our fourth voc rehab, um, counselor getting ready to start. So we'll see, but this is it. I'm not, I told Stephen, we're not doing this again. Uh, I have thought a lot about starting my own business um, because it's getting to the point where um, I can't get help for him. Uh I can't get a job because he can't get a job because I, and I have to help him try to find a job. I mean, it's a vicious, vicious circle that nobody cares about. No one. Yeah, that and is so, my biggest fear. Gosh, that is my biggest fear. And I know we're not that far off from that. No. I just, and Skylar isn't, isn't at the level that Steven is, so he wouldn't even be able to go to classes or any of those things. But that's, I mean, my husband and I both work full time. And right. Know, right now, the ABA all day program that he goes to is perfect for us. And he gets a lot out of it and it allows us to work and do other things. But when he's 23 and just right. sitting at our house looking at me like, what are we going to do today, mom? You know, it's right. like, I don't want to quit my job. I, well, I everyone that has a small child with, or a child at all that's been diagnosed with autism has to be concerned about this because when they age out of school, if you have a career, you have a job and they age out of school, what is your plan? Because I had a job, I had a career. However, my priority is my children and always has been and always will be. I had no other choice but to quit my job and help him. Yeah. I had no other choice. There was zero other option. I, we are not rich. I cannot hire somebody, a caregiver for him. Uh-huh. 24 hours a day to meet his needs, to take him where he needs to go, to make sure he's, he's, um, has a job coach to make sure that, you know, I I can't do that. So I have to do it, but I had to quit my job to do it. So I've thought many times about starting my own business and hiring him Mm -hmm. and, you know, just making it a family affair. But I 
the reason I have not done that yet, I'll be honest, is because that's not what's in his best interest. His right. best interest is to do something outside of me, to be without me, to be able to cope without me, to be able to work without me. You know, that's what's in his best interest. And that's why I've held on for so long. Is there any like... um like the job shadowing experiences that I think people are doing in high school. Um, some schools have that program where he could go to even, um, you know, like a pizza chain or something and help put the boxes together. I mean, I know that sounds yeah. mundane, uh, but yeah. just to give them something to do that's purposeful and they get a paycheck for. And I, Right. Know. I have looked into all of that stuff. Here's the thing. I've looked into, you know, his job coaches kind of like, don't get to know him well enough to know what he can and cannot do or what he does and does not like. They, I mean, one of them wanted to put him in a fast food kitchen and, you know, he doesn't have that um, safety mechanism to think that grease is going to, that hot grease is going to come out of there if I do something wrong. Right. Or that stove is going to burn me if I don't pay close attention to that. Or even at a grocery store. If I don't watch out for these cars over here, they're going to run me over. You know, those are the kinds of things that are obstacles. Yeah. However, you put them on a register, right? To exactly to and all of that yeah. or bag. I mean, if he if or he can't bag anything because his motor skills are so bad, he would just throw everything into the bag. <laughs> Bread on the bottom. The, right. <laughs> exactly. So we. However, he would do fantastic in a small office setting. He has, you know, data entry. He's fantastic with transportation. He could, you know, work for a transportation department. Any he, computer stuff, yeah. Anything like that. So, you know, we're kind of, of you know, as far as the mundane stuff, you know, I don't, I, we have no problem like that. But I will guarantee you, and I have seen it, that, people are not as accepting as you think they are. They yeah. are like, they see him and they see liability. Issues and yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, mm -hmm. that, that's just what they see. And so any kind of a job where he could, that is, is more corporate where, you know, that he could qualify for, they just want no part of it. You know, sadly, it's just well, the knowing way that how it is. much he loves walking and live music and Disney. There's yes. gotta be some sort of, <laughs> there's gotta I be know. something that you I can know. do at Disney, be a greeter at the front entrance or I know, you know, I've park. thought about, I've, I've thought about a way I'm going to go after Disney uh, and, in a good way, yeah. um, but um, thought about it, you know, about what kid he could do. I, I think he'd make a fantastic greeter. I think he'd, um, you know, he'd do good. I mean, they have a mail. I'm sure they've got mail rooms and office office work, work yeah. and stuff where, you know, countless things where he could sort mail or he could um, do data entry or anything like that. And, you know, a, a big company like that, um, surely, you know, who hire people with disabilities because I've yep. seen them. Yep. Um, you know, you would think that they, well, you never know. Maybe someone's listening to this that... <laughs> We know both somebody have connections to Disney, so you and I can put our heads together and that's <laughs> right. People and that, try to help that's, them out. Yes, you know that. That's right. I, um, yeah, I agree. You just, you know, you just never know. But we're we're doing our best uh -huh. to, you know, and and I will say, as as good as the school system did while he was in school and helping him, you know, 
the transition, and, and of course, this was years ago, so it's been a long time, but the transition of him from school to life, you know, they did a they did not do a good job. So I feel that's one of the reasons we're here. Hopefully that's evolved a little bit, you know, like I think it has. it has been six or seven years, but still, I mean, I think the, the other challenge is there's so many, obviously it's a spectrum for a reason. There's so many levels and it's still encompassing everybody's needs mm -hmm. once they're that's 22. So I mean, again, just with Skylar and Steven, they are mm -hmm. so far apart. In their I, exactly. You know, Very. one thing that would work for him is totally not going to work for Skylar and That's right. vice versa. But I mean, it'll be the very, very last breath that I take before he um, is placed in a facility. Right. Um, that's just my personal preference. I don't Yo, I'm want with him you. to be away from me. But if that, am, is if that works for other people, I'm definitely not judging. I just, right. it scares me that he yeah, would be scary. out of my sight. So as much as I don't want to quit my job and you know, babysit him every single day until he's 50, I would do that hands down over, um, you know, just putting him somewhere where I didn't of see course. him every minute. And there's, so, and you know, there's some, you know, in the state of Florida, um, there is a 10 year waiting list for, to go somewhere residential. I feel the same way about Steven, you know, he's staying with us. Um, however, uh, 10 years, well, in that and even after 10 years they tell you there's no guarantee so uh in the next they said in the next decade 500,000 individuals with autism are going to be age out of the school system and need need things you know need uh, uh, services and just etc cetera, etc cetera. and so what are these people going to do what, what is our government going to do? What is our uh, local and f um, state programs going to do? They yeah. every I mean they need to do something because it's it's just it's really tragic. Nobody's recognizing it as an epidemic uh, in the in the yeah. areas of the the government that we need them to. But um, right. that's a whole another that's a whole another week of podcasts, I guess. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Not to yes. get political because I definitely No, don't. I know. No, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I don't want the backlash. But um, no. um well just transitioning a little bit to your family. So um you have mentioned that you have a, a younger son that's a couple years younger than Steven and then you have a daughter as well, right? And she's is she the baby? Or? Yes. Okay. She she is the baby. She is twenty three. Okay. And she just graduated college with um, elementary education degree and she um, is um, K through six so she is going to be um, she did not want to get a job she just graduated in December so she did right. not want to get a job mid-school year so I don't blame her um, she said you know those are not the good jobs you want your your going in for people on maternity leave and she she just did not want to do it mm -hmm. so she's going to be getting a job in the fall with um with a school system hopefully we hope but you know she didn't have an interest in going into special ed i talked about her and she's <laughs> funny about it i had enough life experience yes that. that's exactly her words she says are you kidding me that is not what that is not for me um i said okay well you know it's up to it's up to you but she's uh you know she's a wonderful sister to steven uh -huh. and i've his, seen some of that <laughs> yes and her his brother 
um, Patrick is 27 and he's a wonderful uh, brother, but he lives in the DC area. And because he he got a job and moved away and uh, got a life of his own, believe it or not. Can you believe him? I know. And, <laughs> and um, so he's doing very well there. And she um, is is staying in Florida with us. So uh -huh. she she loves Florida. And she, so, but she, you know, they've had an interesting relationship. She, you know, it's not always been great. You know, it's hard on siblings. And that's all she's ever known. And that your is. son too. Um, yes. Since Stephen's yes. the oldest. So yes. You know, was there a dynamic just throughout the years, obviously different stages of life, teenagers and all of yeah. that. Mm -hmm. um, maybe they were great when they were little and, and they butted heads when they were older. I mean, yes. they always have a yes, it's, on off. It's, <laughs> yes. To answer your question, that's exactly how it's been. But um, now that they're all three adults, it's fantastic. They love him. They accept him for who he is. They want to help him any way they can. And they, you know, my daughter and, um, the two of them have had, you know, she's very bossy. She, she doesn't baby him. She wants him to do well. Uh, at, at, but at the same time, she loves spending time with him. She, um, you know, expects, you know, expects him to, you know, do what he needs to do when she's with them. But, but at the same time, takes him at places that he loves to go, you know, so, and, you know, so it that's been nice to see because when they were little, she was very bossy, and <laughs> she used to put him in timeout. That's hilarious. And he would go, he would go, and you know she was four, and he was you know much older, and she would put him in. You know I would be like I remember even one instance when she was four, and I'd say um, I was cooking, and I'd say come on, you know it's time to eat, and I'd say where is Stephen, and she'd say he's in the closet in timeout. And so I'd say, what? And she said, yeah. And so, but she didn't shut the door. She just had him sit in the closet. And so she says, I didn't shut the door or anything. And so I said, Stephen, you don't need to go into the closet when your sister, your sister does not put you in timeout. And she said, yeah, I do. I put him in timeout. And, um, but oh so gosh. I know, so it would, they would have a relationship like that. And then they, you know, started to grow and, um, do it much better, you know, get along better. And then puberty hit. And that was extremely difficult for our whole entire family when puberty <laughs> hit. And, you know, so, um, that was hard on them. That was hard on both my other children, seeing their brother struggle like that and mm. um, go through, you know, become somebody really he wasn't. And, you know, so that, that was difficult. But like I said, now that they are adults, it's been fantastic. It's been so wonderful to see their relationship as adults. She's going to get that timeout stuff back on her when she's an elementary teacher. She knows that's that, right? true. <laughs> she's going to get some little tyrant kid in her class that's going to well, just give it back to her. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me tell you, she like I tell her, she was no prize growing up. She gave me a run for my money herself. So that's don't funny. throw, what's that saying? Don't throw stones <laughs> at anyone. <laughs> so, but well, yeah, so. but I'm you glad know, to hear that. I'm glad that, that most of it has been, you know 
tolerable when they were growing yes. up and that they have such a bond now. I mean, just seeing yeah. the times that she takes him to Disney and takes him oh, to yeah. live music, you know, events oh, and yeah. things, just the two of them. And I, I love that. I just... I love yes, it. and there's just, you know, she always includes him if, like, if she had something at college, she would, like, a, some kind of bingo night or anything like that. She would say, Stephen, you know, would you like to go with me? And, and generally, he would. And so she'd take him there and include him with all her friends, and his, her friends were so good to him. And she said, I just want him to have experiences, you know, that he's never had. And, um, and it's good, you know, he goes without me and, you know, he goes with her and, um, so, it, you know, it's been really good. And his brother, if his brother lived here, you know, he'd be the same way. They sure. just, we just don't have sure holidays. Live. They yes. connect and enjoy seeing each other. Oh, they definitely do. Yeah. They spend time together. And so, um, you know, that, yeah, it's, it's, That's, it's been good, but it's not always been easy. You know, you have to juggle three, you know. Three kids, mm -hmm. one Three on the autism. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, that's good parenting on on your part and your husband's part. And um, I can only hope that Kendall will um, come pick up Skylar for lunch on her college breaks or whatever in the future. She, right now, she will. Her, she will. So. <laughs> Definitely, Maybe she'll come give us a break. I don't know. We'll she see. she will. My daughter, my daughter's done that several times. My husband and I went away for. Uh, the weekend and she stayed with Steven and he did not miss us one bit. They had <laughs> Hope she didn't time. put him in the corner and no, time out. she did not put him in the closet <laughs> or the corner or anything. They just That's had a good funny. time. Yeah. Well, well, and just, you know, kind of along the same lines of family, um, you know, I know we had talked a little bit about just marriage in general and parenting in general and the partnership that it really takes um, yes, with a husband it, and a wife. And, you know, I know you've got 29 years of experience with Steven and obviously right. parenting two other children as well. Right. Um, is there, are there any takeaways you can leave with other families and other parents um, that may be struggling about that aspect of it? Not just the autism part, but the the family dynamic part? Well, everyone that knows me and follows me knows that I'm a big proponent of taking care of your marriage. I, my husband and I both agree on this, so I'm not saying anything behind his back <laughs> <laughs> or anything. We've been married for 31 years and we 100% were overwhelmed and consumed with helping Stephen and making sure our other two children had everything that they needed that we did not take care of our marriage. We did not go out. We did not even take 10 minutes, you know, for ourselves to be alone, to nurture our relationship, to talk about things. And it really is the grace of God that we are still married. I'm not going to lie about it or sugarcoat it or anything. And it, is challenging and it's challenging to this day because we did not invest in our marriage when we were starting out when we were younger and you know you this as the saying goes you get it you get out what you put in right and you know we did not put a lot into it and i always tell people take care of your marriage and and you know i know there's a lot of single parents out there so i i'm just speaking because i'm married i'm not single um so i'm speaking from the marriage aspect of raising a child with autism it is enough it takes enough of a toll on your relationship um without i mean even with taking care of your marriage so if you 
don't take care of your marriage, you know, it's, it's a double whammy kind of. So just make time. Even, it doesn't have to be a lot, even an hour a week, you know, um, just take time to spend together and regroup and, you know, just, just, it's just so important. And my husband agrees on this with me. And so I try to make it my mission to tell parents, go on a date, take an hour, go sit in your car, get ice cream, you know, talk to each other, communicate with each other, ask each other how they're doing. You know, it's not easy, this journey we're all on. So it's important that you're on the same page and communicate with each other. For sure. And we, Josh and I try to make a pact that when we go out, it's hard, but when we we go out to dinner, if we actually get a sitter or if we, even if we just, um, you know, once Skylar goes to bed, if it's a, if it's a summer day where the darkness doesn't hit until nine or whatever, you know, it's safe enough to walk around the block um, in our neighborhood and just go for a walk together and talk about anything but Skylar and anything but autism. We try to talk about our jobs, our just anything else, our pets, whatever it is, just not about that. Right. Um, and it is hard to do, but, um, you know, and I can only speak for, um, someone who is sec- I'm on my second marriage. Um, you know, my first marriage did not, did not last past 10 years. I think just the stress of raising a child on the spectrum, in addition to just marrying too young, maybe not having anything in common right. once we got into our thirties or whatever. Um, right. It definitely is not Skylar's fault. And I would never blame autism for the demise of my marriage, but I think um, I'm smarter and I, I knew more what I wanted the second time around. And I, I hear it a lot from people that are single parents yeah. with a child on the spectrum that, you know, they're struggling being by themselves and they just are pretty much resigned to the fact that they'll never meet anyone. They're never going to, have any support or help with their child um, because who's going to want to walk into that situation. And I just, you know, I'm living proof that you put yourself first and your kids first, you're a package deal and don't ever settle for anyone that even looks at you or your child cross-eyed for one second. Right. I agree with that. There are definitely people out there and my husband is one of them. I'm, I'm truly blessed. Yes, definitely. Yes. That he took on this craziness and (laughs) yeah, I believe, I believe craziness is a good word. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So, well, um, Kelly, I so appreciate this. I, like I said in the intro, I, um, I follow every single post you make. I am just so intrigued by everything that goes on with Steven and I see so much of Skylar in him in the future um, so I'm, I'm just I'm mesmerized by what, what ends up happening with his jobs and all of the things. So if maybe if you start a job, start a company, we'll move down there and there <laughs> you go. do something to help too. That's I don't know. right. You know, my, my goal starting this whole Instagram page is to make a difference for Steven so that we can make a difference for others in the future. That's my whole sure. goal. So I'd love anyone listening to please follow uh, growing up, Stephen, um, and we can we're, together. I think everybody we can get the word out there, and and there's lots of good things that have happened, but there's so many changes that need to be made. And you know, getting the word out there is the the main way to make the changes. 
Absolutely. And I will link your um, Instagram um, on the notes of the podcast as well. Thank and, you. Um, and I would like to thank you so much for having me today. And sure. um, I wanted to tell whoever's listening, sorry if I rambled and I you don't ramble. <laughs> skipped all over the place. But, you know, you, when you have so much you want to say, you know, yes. hopefully. You're so. passionate. You have 29 years of experience. I think we could all learn a lot and did learn a lot from you. So, um, Oh, thank you. So well, I appreciate, well, thank you so much again for having me and maybe, um, and you and I have talked before, maybe, um, one of these days, Stephen and I can come on here and do a little podcast with you and I would love it. Yes. I'm <laughs> sure he would, he would enjoy it. And, uh, I think everybody would enjoy hearing from him and we'll, Absolutely. we'll try, try to do that in the future. He can say whatever he wants to say and then be done when he wants to be done. Yeah, well, that, that's, <laughs> like pretty, that's pretty much how he'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks again. Okay, thank you so much. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Living the Sky Life and we'll tune in for the next episode coming soon. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Living the Sky Life podcast within Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, so you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released. Subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select the five-star rating, provide feedback, and share Living the Skylife with others. Thanks again for listening.